Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. As a teenager, Kurt Hines was barreling down dark pathways because of mistakes and a dangerous and illegal habit. So how did he turn things around? Stay tuned to find out. TeamSnap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. As an all-in-one youth sports management app, TeamSnap helps take the stress out of coaching, letting you spend more time with your team and less time organizing. As a coach, I love to track the real-time RSVPs, which lets me prepare for each training session, and I love to post scouting reports and discussion topics. As a parent, I appreciate being able to sync my kids' schedules directly into my calendar and use the Team Chat feature for timely updates on where to meet and park. Download the TeamSnap app in your mobile app store or visit teamsnap.com slash winning for more information. Kurt Hines is a father and grandfather, and the passing of time has given him wisdom and comfort about the mistakes of his youth, and there were lots of them. After one arrest, the police chief was confused. Quote, the rumor is, you're a great kid. The teachers love you. The coaches love you. What are you doing? It was a simple yet profound question. So what did Coach Kurt do? Well, let's jump into part two of my conversation with Coach Kurt Hines to find out. Fun question. What's one thing you would tell your eight, 12, and 16-year-old self? Eight, 12, and 16-year-old self. The eight-year-old, I would tell myself, study your math facts. The 12-year-old, I would go back to seventh grade and say, hey, your parents mean what they say. You're not playing football in eighth grade. <laughs> the 16-year, and on a more serious answer, the 16-year-old, I would tell myself, stop drinking. Growing up, I was blessed with great parents, middle-income, blue-collar. My father served in the Navy for years. My parents were always there mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. We didn't have a lot, but we needed nothing. You know, I never went without a meal. I never didn't have, you know, a backpack for school or whatever. Didn't go on fancy trips, but I never needed anything. But I started drinking at an early age, being aware of, of the audience you have and everything. I got into a lot of trouble. I, I got arrested a lot. I don't regret any of it, and that might sound weird, but it, it truly made me who I am and allows me to be a better coach, not better than someone else, but better than I think I would have been. Because I understand when our student athletes struggle with things at home, whether it's because mom or dad or because of their own choices, I would tell myself a 16 year old, you know, hey, hey, stop drinking so much and stop looking for fights and, and just be the person you are. Every time I got arrested, not every time, most times I got arrested, the chief of police or whoever it was in the office there would say, hey, the rumor is, and they would follow up with, Everyone says you're a great kid. The teachers love you. The coaches love you. What are you doing? And I just liked getting drunk. I liked fighting. And it took me way too many years to grow up and to realize the damage I was doing, the heartache I was causing my parents, you know, and just to smarten up. Yeah. And what was that turning point for you, you know, to be able to turn away from those things that you enjoyed, right? How did you, how yeah. did you sort of turn things around? 
the gift, the blessing of, of my wife. I got married at 22. My wife and I got married. And I remember having a kind of a daydream, not, not a vision, but I, I remember sitting there one day. I, I had this image in my mind of walking down the stairs and my wife and I didn't even have a house yet. We were living with her parents right after we got married. But I had this image of walking down the stairs and having my wife apologize to the kids for what dad did when he was drunk. Now, it never happened. But I, I didn't want to be that father that had to put his wife through that or to do something, say something or not be there for my wife for children and have my wife apologize for my immaturity and lack of being a man. So when my wife and I got married, I quit drinking. And I, was like, I was like, I don't want to be that husband or father that someone else has to apologize. It's time for me to grow up. And I look back at my life now, my wife and I have been married for over 28 years. She is my best friend. We have four children, two grandsons, and I, I truly am living my dreams. I just said to, an, uh, to someone else not too long ago, a little bit fatter than I should be, don't have as much money saved as I should have in all and both of those are true but in addition to that I'm I wake up every day Sean and I get to teach children I get to coach young men and young women I get to go home and be with my wife and spend time with my children and grandchildren if, if God takes me home today I'm gonna go home you know go to heaven living a very blessed life I'm not ready to go I have a lot more I want to accomplish but my wife was the one that really turned my life around and, and, and yeah I, I do take credit for a lot of the decisions I made just like I have to take ownership for a lot of bad decisions or 99.9% of them if not all of them but, but I think that's what life is I mean, I mean I think life is a journey of ups and downs of trials and triumphs and us sharing the successes and owning the failures powerful yeah i really appreciate that and yeah just thank you for sharing so candidly and that is really truly what life is about right and if we can't take our mistakes and our pain and our challenges and utilize those to bless other people what's the point right yeah, I feel called to bless and empower as many people as I can. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves is when you hear people, and I think it's a lot of the generation that we're blessed to coach, but also coaches also say, I'm done taking L's, I'm done taking losses, then you're done succeeding, you're done growing. Because it's through those, yeah, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but it's through those hardships that we find our strength and we find that strength to then empower others. I'm really curious to see what you're going to say about this because you've spoken so fondly about your parents. But looking back, what's something you appreciated about your parents' influence on your life? The way they loved each other and served each other. You know, as I mentioned right now, my dad, I'll try, I wear my heart on my sleeves. I don't mind crying, but I, I, I'm going to tell myself now, don't cry. Growing up, he was hard. He was hard to live with simply because, and I wish I were kidding. If you didn't fill the ice tray, the old school refrigerators, freezers, we didn't, you had to make your own ice, you had little trays. If you didn't fill it the right way, man, he would grab it from your hand and not push you aside, but kind of edge you out of the way. I'll, let me just, let me do it. If you didn't tie the trash bag the right way, there were certain things about him where I jokingly say, you know, things were black and white. If you, if you didn't agree with them, that's fine, but you're wrong. And I was like, well, dad, there's, you know, it's not as, as I gain a greater appreciation for him now and having him pass, I look back at the last 20 years of his life. My mother was never an athlete and she never really took care of her health. And because of that, it really took its toll on her, you know, physically in horrible ways. The last 15 or so years of his life, he did everything around the house. He did the cooking, the cleaning, the shopping, everything. But in that, I saw the two things could have happened. He could have been become angry and bitter and all these different things. But I saw him more and more in a different light of just selflessly serving her and blessing. 
And when he passed, I heard from countless people, some I knew very well, family members and friends, neighbors, churchgoers, and some complete strangers that would reach out and say, hey, here's what your dad did. And the more I reflected on that, he was always serving other people. He was always blessing other people and never asking for anything in return. And I saw them fight. I, I think one of the greatest things my parents did for me was they didn't hide their arguments. And I don't mean fight like in a derogatory, yelling at each other and putting each other down, but they would have sometimes yelling and screaming arguments, but they'd always come back together and talk it out. And I saw that that's what a healthy relationship is, that, that if you are any of us, not just you, but if any of us are blessed enough to find and fall in love with a significant other. Not every day is going to be sunshine and rainbows, you know. Not every day is going to be a day you want to post on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. You're going to have your sleepless nights, your, your tear-filled days, whatever it is. And that's okay because that's part of growth also. So my, my parents blessed me in more ways than I could have ever imagined. And, and once again, I, I realized a lot of my joy and success in life comes through my own choices. But man, I, I was, in, you mentioned you were adopted from South Korea. I love that story. I was born in a household where my parents loved me and they let me fail. And, and they, they held me accountable. So I, I, I'm, I'm eternally indebted to my parents. You alluded to it earlier, but tell me the story the first time you coached. Yeah. So a college professor said there was a school five, 10 minutes down the road, middle school that was looking for an assistant coach for a flag football team of students, seventh and eighth grade, I believe, sixth, seventh and eighth. And the majority of them were special needs students. Now I was going to school for elementary education. So I had a chance to work with a lot of children with special needs. Absolutely love. There's something so precious and special about children with special needs. Cause I, th I think and there's obviously that there's hundreds and thousands of different special needs. But my experience has been so many of those children don't take anything for granted. They just have a pure love and joy for life. And so many of those parents have a greater appreciation for the smaller things. A child saying their first word or a child not, you know, being able to go out in public and not have to wear the earphones, whatever it is. So my first experience truly was I had a football in hand and I was standing about less than five yards away from a, a girl with Down syndrome, tossing a football to her underhand and she dropped it over and over and over again. It would giggle and pick it up and throw it back. And when I finally tossed it to her the sixth or seventh time and she caught it, talk about Tom Brady, it looked like she had just won the Super Bowl and she had the biggest smile on her face. And that's the first time I thought to myself, wait, wait a minute, I want to do this also. Why had I never thought prior to this about coaching football? And that first experience, I don't remember winning a lot of games. It was flag football, not that the wins matter. But I don't remember winning a lot of games, but I remember parents sitting in lawn chairs watching the practices. I remember the kids laughing and smiling, having fun. And I will never say, and I hate when people say, oh, it's just a game. Soccer is just a game. Football is just a game. It's not just a game. Get rid of the word just. We have to focus on it is a game. It should be fun for them. But if we coach intentionally to bless and empower those we're blessed to serve, it's not just anything. It's a platform to change lives. And that first coaching experience, uh, it wasn't a paid position, didn't have a coach's shirt title or anything. I don't even think I had a whistle, not that that matters. But I remember, I remember the feeling of just joy of being on a field with children and having them laugh and giggle and have fun playing a game. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Now, in one of your interviews, I saw that you encourage players to make mistakes. Yes. I love that. It's sort of countercultural. Give me a little context there. Why do you encourage players to make mistakes? And as you say, mess up. 
Yeah, because we do it all the time in games. You know, I, I haven't coached. I've coached high school football for 25 years. There's not been a single game, and there never will be, where I call a perfect game. You know, So, A, without getting too much on a tangent, I don't know why coaches go off on officials when they make a bad call because we make bad calls as coaches all the time. We've got to have a little bit more grace there. As players, they're going to make mistakes in games. So the reason I encourage them to make mistakes in practice is so often I think players, especially new to a sport, will kind of – when you're calling for an offense or a defense, whatever it is, they kind of take a few steps back, literally or figuratively. And they think, if I get in there to make a mistake, I don't know my plays yet. Make a mistake, embrace the mistakes, because the more we make mistakes in practices, the better we can coach you up and the less mistakes we'll make in games. That's great. We had a young woman on the team. She's actually, she's a Marine now. Wow. Just a stud. She moved here, I believe, from Florida. And one practice, she, I could just see like the tears. She wasn't crying. The tears weren't coming down yet, but I could see the glass over her eyes. So I pulled her aside. I said, Tatum, what, what's going on? And usually, sometimes, depending on the story, I won't say the child's name or the young woman's name, but this is a great story for her. She's like, I'm just frustrated. I, I, I don't know why you're here. And I said, why are you here? And she looked at me kind of offended, like, wait, are you questioning like, why I'm here? She said, no, I said, what's your why? Like, what do we talk about the power of why? What's your why? And she said something I, I once again hope I never forget. She goes, I want to challenge myself. And I said, yes. And I remember like being on the practice field. I was like, Great then mess up all the time because this is what you signed up for. You just said you want to challenge yourself. Football is brand new to you. Then embrace the suck, embrace the challenge, embrace the struggles. And she became a stud, scored in a varsity game, scored a touchdown as a running back and went on to become a, a United States Marine because of her, and I'm putting this into my own words. I don't know if she would word this the same way, but her willingness to fail, her willingness to say, hey, that's how I'm going to grow because I, and I tell my fourth graders all the time and I tell our football players as well, I can guarantee I never lose another game as a coach. And they look at me and they're like, how? I said, I can guarantee I never lose another game. And it's, they're, they're like, no, you can't. I'm like, yes, I can. I just hang up the whistle. Never coach. I said, but I love it too much. I love it too much to do that. So I'm willing. And, and usually this conversation comes up when I see it or sense some bad or poor sportsmanship. I'm like, listen, if we're going to sign up to play this game we love, coach this game we love, we've got to understand that there's always going to be winners and losers. They're keeping score for a reason, and I think they should. And we've got to win with class and lose with class. And in all things, realize that losing is a part of the game that we have to embrace and enjoy the process of losing because that's going to take us one step closer to finally winning. Before I close, I want to share something special by presenting sponsor TeamSnap and my video series Model Student Athlete are thrilled to present our Coach of the Month. We want to shine the spotlight on coaches in youth sports who are making a positive impact on young student athletes. And our second honoree is Sage Bernstein, a coach at Parkway Hoops and a current Division I soccer player at St. Francis in Brooklyn. She recently coached her under 12 boys team to win the Parkway League, inspiring her players with her energy and knowledge and also serving as a positive example for girls in the program who look up to her. Congratulations, Coach Sage. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any questions or comments, please visit my website, seankjensen.com, and go to the contact page. You can even leave me a voice recording. And of course, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, the go-to must-have app in youth sports. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you again next time.